to Isaiah, first chapter. They'll put it on the screen for us. For some weeks, we've been on a subject we're calling willing and obedient. Does the Bible say anything about willing and obedient? In the first chapter of Isaiah, verse uh, 2, Isaiah 1, verse 2, says, Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. This, uh, this is my language, but I believe this is a sore spot with God. <laughs> God's a person. He has feelings. In fact, he's a whole lot like us. Now, when you say that, people would go, no, no, Brother Keith. Are we or are we not made in the likeness and image of God? Then would it be right to say we're a lot like him? We're made in his likeness and image. Well, if we're a lot like him, you take, if we could take two of these chairs here and we say, this chair is just like this chair. But this chair is nothing at all like this chair. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. If you read the scriptures, you'll see God can be mad, He can be glad, He can be pleased, He can be hurt, He can be vexed. That sounds like you. <laughs> right? Why? Because you're that way because you're made like Him. And He is a whole lot like us. Minus all the perversions and junk. And yet, the makeup is very similar. And uh, his creation has repeatedly rebelled against him. And, and I believe it's something, well, I know it's something that he hates. Defiance, stubbornness, rebellion, disobedience. It's something you don't want to get into with him. It's he resists the proud. You get to acting like that. And the Bible said the proud he knows afar off. You're going to wind up on your own without help. But if you'll humble yourself and you'll be willing and obedient, you'll get grace. You'll get help. You'll be able to get close to him and him close to you. But you get attitude. It's going to hurt you and displease him. He said, verse 3, the ox knows his owner, the ass or donkey is master's crib. Israel does not know, my people does not consider. He said, an ox knows who his owner is. A donkey knows his master's crib. But Israel and my people don't know. They don't understand who, who their God is. There's a whole lot of people on the planet acting like there is no God. Right? right? Yeah, <laughs> we have two little dogs. 
Shih Tzus, and uh, they're great little dogs. But I tell Phyllis, you know, I was reminded of it the other day, they know who their owner is. It's Phyllis. <laughs> we come in, you know how dogs are, you've gone 30 minutes, they think, they think you've been gone a day, you know. You come in, and they'll run towards me and right past me to her. <laughs> they know who their owner is. Now, once they get through with her, they'll say hi to me, but... It's uh, these little dogs know who their owner. They know who feeds them. They know whose dog they are. <laughs> well, we ought to know who our God is. We ought to know whose we are, right? And run past anybody else to get to Him and let Him know. We know who feeds us. We know who gives us our next breath. We know, huh? Whose people we are. Thank you, Lord. Skip down to verse 19. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Uh, One translation says, the good things of the land will be yours. Another one says, uh, you'll eat the best of the land. Another one says, if you'll only obey, I'll make you rich. What is the good of the land? Hmm? What's the, the, the best of the land? What is that? That's what we'd call luxury items. High ticket items. Big ticket items. Right? You got adequate stuff and you got better stuff. And then you got the best. Who's that for? Huh? <laughs> Who's that for? These expensive houses. These expensive cars. These expensive clothes. Who's that for? Who's that for? Just unbelievers. Huh? People that... Atheists. Agnostics. What? Who's it for? Well, maybe for you. If... Right? If you're willing and obedient. Someone says, well, I ain't enjoying any of that stuff. (laughs) Well, do you believe that verse or not? If you haven't been enjoying the best of the land, this is one of the very first places to look. How willing are you? If you're stubborn with people, You're stubborn with God too. Hmm? If you're unwilling with people, you're unwilling with God too. That's just how you are. You don't just flip a switch when it comes to dealing with God and become somebody else. If you're willing and obedient. Somebody say if, if, if. I'm willing and obedient. I shall. I will. That's as strong as you can say it. Not might, not will see, not could. I shall, as surely as I get my heart right with God and obey Him and do what He says, it's going to begin to show up in my life. Come on, do you believe this or not? It's going to begin to show up. Phyllis and I can testify to this. Can any of you testify to it? That you came from humble beginnings. 
But every place where you were able to get your heart right and obey God, after that, good things happen for you. Good things happen for you. And you begin to come up. And you begin to enjoy better and have better and do better and give better. Well, there's no end to that. You can just keep coming up. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But the next verse is just as true. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In fact, there's a play on the word here, devour. It's, uh, or you could say, you could translate it, consume. Basically, if you're willing and obedient, you'll consume the good of the land. If you're rebellious and, and, and uh, refuse, reject, then you'll be consumed. That's the play on the word. And 1 Peter 5 talks about we do have an adversary. The devil who's going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour could also be translated consume or swallowed up. So you can either be eaten the good things of the land or you can be eaten up by the enemy depending on our heart. If we're willing, humble, submissive, believing, obedient, responsive, or if we're stubborn, if we refuse and reject, nobody can tell us what to do. And we won't obey. We won't do what we're told. So your flesh doesn't even like that phrase, does it? Do what you're told. What does that make your flesh want to do? Good. Do, do what I'm told. Yeah. Yeah. You need to do what you're told. By the Lord. So that, that shouldn't be hard for you to say yes to. Huh? Should you... Immediately and gladly do what you're told from the Lord. Well, that also includes, did you know he told you to submit to those that are over you? Including even civil authorities? Well, then doing that would be doing what he said. There's a lot there. It's easy to make excuses for stubbornness and rebellion. But you don't want to be that way. And I don't want to be that way. It's the nature of the enemy. Jesus said, come learn about me. I'm meek, lowly of heart. You'll find rest to your souls. It's a hard way being hard-headed. It costs you. Oh, it costs you. You can be defiant. You can have your say. And it can cost you a relationship. It can cost you your job that God gave you. It can cost you provision. It can cost you friends. You can have your way. But it can be so expensive. There's a whole lot of people on the planet would be alive right now that's died through wrong circumstances if they had simply done what they were told. Hmm? But they made a statement. They were their own man or woman. Huh? And they're gone. Cost them. No, you do need to stand up for what's right. But being rebellious is not what's right. right. Being defiant is ungodly. How many want to eat the good of the land? Then you want to be done with stubborn. You want to be through with 
disobedience. Okay? Can we move on or do I need to camp on this for a lot more? Hmm? <laughs> All right, pray this prayer with me if you're serious. Say it out loud. Father God, Father God open, my eyes, open my eyes. Help me to see, help me to see any, rebellion any rebellion in me. In me. Anything, anything I've been doing, I've been doing. that's defiance, that's, defiance. that's stubbornness, that's displeasing to you. Help me to see it. And by your grace, I'll stop yielding to it. And change. And be like the Master. Amen. All right. Well, He'll show you. Don't be shocked when you see it. <laughs> Remember what you prayed. Right? Make the change. And good things will follow. Go with me, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians. Actually, let's see, if, uh, let's do it this way. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. You believing with me? Yes. For utterance and grace and anointing? I can't do anything of myself. But when the Lord gives you something, it's good. Right? He can do something through me, through you. But of ourself, it's not worth listening to. In 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, in the first verse, he said, Brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... And their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now let's just stop right here. Can you be in deep poverty and yet have joy? Yeah, you can. Because our joy is not based on what we have. A man's life, Jesus said, does not consist of the thing, in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Now, not everybody believes that, but it's true. The Lord wants you to have some things, what you need, and even enjoy some nice things. But at the same time, no amount of money or things is going to give you internal contentment and peace and joy. It can't because it's not spiritual. You're a spirit. And what you need to satisfy you inside is spirit. Spiritual. A natural thing can't do it. A flesh thing can't do it. A mental thing, an intellectual thing can't do it. Only spirit can satisfy spirit. They had joy, even in deep poverty. And also, can you be liberal even if you're in deep poverty? Yes. Yeah, you can. If you only got three and you give two of them, you are a generous soul. Is that right? And we, we know the account of the woman that gave her two mites, which would be like a penny to us today. And Jesus remarked that she outgave everybody in the place that day. And there were some very wealthy people given in there that gave large, amount, large amounts, but none of them gave 100%. So 
when we have an offering, we don't know from looking at amounts who gave the most. Because we're going to see in, in, in a bit later, it's not accepted according to what you don't have. God accepts you according to what you have. So he looks at two big things in your giving, my giving. He looks at the percentage, not the amount. And he looks at the heart. He does look at those two things. Now, uh, keep going, verse 3. To their power, we'd say to their ability, I bear record, yea, and beyond their ability, they were willing of themselves. He, he's talking about these uh, saints at Corinth, and many of them were very poor. And he said they, they, they were willing to give what they had, and they were willing to give beyond what they had. Are we talking about willingness here? What qualifies you to eat the good of the land? Willing and a follow-through of what you were willing to do. Acting on it. To their ability and beyond their ability, they were willing of themselves. Verse 4. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. This is talking about a financial material offering that they were a part of. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They were sending this offering to Christians at another place. And this they did. Not as we hoped, but first gave them their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun so he would finish in you this same grace... Also, keep going, therefore as you abound in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. He calls giving and offerings a grace. Offerings are important. I know a lot of people try to, you can get, you can get the ditch on both sides of this. Um, you know, there are, there are ministers that misuse scriptures to try to get money out of your pocket into theirs. But there are also, uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, people in all professions with wrong motivations. Doesn't do away with the real and the right just because somebody does it wrong. But then you'll have people that say, well, you know, God doesn't care about all that. And so don't talk much about it. And, uh, you know, God will provide and just don't say any. If you really had any faith, then you wouldn't even bring it. You wouldn't even have an offering. Well, that's wrong thinking. It's as much about God getting to you and more as it is a church or a ministry having what it needs to operate on. Because if it's not just important that something gets done with God... It's who gets used in it. Who is a part of it. These things are much more important than I think we realize. Every service that's going on. Every message that's preached. Everybody that comes to the Lord or comes back to the Lord. Every, everything that happens in the kingdom of God. The Lord's keeping up with it. And there's going to be a reward. And we couldn't have this service today in this church. 
unless a lot of people gave. Somebody gave back years ago for this building to be here and be paid for and be built out. And the one in Branson and and somebody's uh, sowed for this to go out over the internet like it is. Well, God never forgets any of that. He he is uh, keeping up with it. And the fact that the people that gave wanted to do that with their money instead of something else showed a heart for him. Oh, come on, can you see this? And that heart for him is a big, big deal to him. It's precious to him. Mm -hmm. And so the heart of the giver can make the gift holy. Did you hear that? The heart of the giver, which is why it is so important for people like myself, Phyllis and I, leaders, to handle these things properly. Because they're holy. Can you see this? They're holy. And not just use them anyway and certainly not abuse them. They're holy. What would make them holy? Not the currency, the dirty paper, not just, you know, the electronic transfer of funds. That's not holy. What makes it holy? You already heard it. What makes it holy? The heart of the giver determines the acceptability of the gift. Keep reading. He said, uh, abound in this grace too, this giving grace. Verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be poor also. Why did I read it that way? That's how much of the church world believes it. Jesus was poor, so should you be. That's contrary to the Bible. Hmm? Said out loud, he was made sin. So I could be righteous. He took my sicknesses. So I could be healed. He bore the chastisement of my peace. So I could have peace. That passes understanding. He bore my sorrows. So I could have his joy. He became poor. So I could be rich. You believe it? You believe it? That's what the gospel is. Gospel means good news. Jesus was poor so you can be poor. Is not good news. I have to be poor? It's bad news. It's not good news. Jesus was made poor so I could be made rich? That's the best news you ever heard. Right that is some kind of good news. <laughs> Come on, let's believe the Bible. Somebody in here believe the Bible. Oh, you gotta you gotta watch for the traditions of men. 
People think they're Bible. Preachers preach them like they're Bible. I'm sure I've made mistakes in my time. I'm not judging anybody. But I'm, that's why I'm saying it. Check me out. Every time you hear something come out of my mouth, where's it at? Where's it at? Right? Where's it at? If it's just something I came up with, don't, don't accept it. Don't, don't go with it. Don't build your life on it. Verse 10, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who've begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. This is willing and obedient. Forward a year ago, what does that mean? You, they were ready. They were, they, were in, they were leaning towards doing it, forward. They were ready and willing to do it. And what does he say? You, you were ready to do it a year ago. What's he saying now? Go ahead on and do it. Do it. Perform the doing of it. There was a readiness to will. Now there needs to be a performance out of what you have. Now, out of what you have. This, this, all of this is about an offering. This eighth and ninth chapter here. It's all about an offering. And, and Paul and those that were under him were, were gathering it and putting it together and transporting it. To this other church. Because they had gone through some real tough times. And uh, he told them. We're receiving this offering for them. But now these people here. Are poor. Did he say well. You know y'all being poor. Just for you don't need to do anything. No. You do need to do something. Not having much. Is not the same as having nothing. Right? Not ha- having little is not the same as having nothing. And when the widow gave her two mites, did Jesus go over there and get that out and go, no, dear, no, no. We need to give you something. Some people would try to make Jesus out to do that. He didn't. He let it stay in the offering receptacle. He let it stay there. Let them receive it. Do you suppose this woman had a blessing come back on her life? Oh, yes. Do you suppose she had her needs met? Yes. Uh, you remember the man of God, the prophet, when he came to the, there was famine in the land. And the woman came by and, and he asked her what, what was going on. And she said she had a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil. She's going to go make a little fire, make a little cake. Little everything, little, 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 little fire, little cake, and me and my son's gonna eat it and then die because this is all we got in the world is this little handful of meal, this little bit of oil. And he said, That's great. He said, Make me a little cake first. Now, brother, if that wouldn't have made the papers today, is there, preacher takes food out of starving child's mouth. Huh? Would that have made the news today? Make me a cake first, the preacher says. <laughs> yeah, I just like those, you know, cussing, cussing preachers. No. Now, there are some, some guys and women that are not right. 
But it doesn't do away with the real. Why did he tell them that? Because God told him to tell them that. He might not have even wanted to do that. I've been in several situations. I didn't want to do it that way. I didn't want to receive it. I wanted to give instead of receive. And the Lord said, don't you do that. Are you going to practice what you preach? You believe in sowing and reaping? Then you let them sow. You let them sow those crumpled up dirty $3 to you. And you receive it. Come on, are you listening? I've been in other parts of the world. Where people give you little, you know, little rocks and little feathers and, and stuff. And, and you think, well, do it, you know. It's, it's not about the value of the trinket or the currency. What makes the gift acceptable? Come on, help me out. What? The heart. The heart of the giver. Now, if it means nothing to them, then the gift is worth nothing to him. Even if it's a large amount. You can't impress God with numbers, with a bunch of zeros on the left side of the decimal. You, you, can't, you can't impress him with that. He's, what's he always looking at? Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. That's what he's always looking at. He's always looking at that. Keep reading. Well, let's read that verse again. Perform the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to give. What's he telling them? Don't put it off anymore. Y'all go ahead and give. You were talking about it. You wanted to do it. You were ready a year ago to get involved in this. Now, don't put it off anymore. Do it. That there may be a performance out of what you have, we might say, what you have right now. Well, I'd like to have more. Well, uh, you can't operate on like to have. Hmm? I wish I had more. That God's not looking at what you wish you had or what you'd like to have or what you might have one day. You need to perform out of what you have right now. <clears throat> if it's 50 cents, it's 50 cents. But you can give it with the right heart. You can give it gladly and willingly. For if there be first what? A willing mind. It is what? Accepted. According to that a man has. Not according to that he has not. Read it again. Verse 12. This is, this is so significant. What makes the gift the, the offering, the sacrifice, acceptable. If there be first a willing mind, willing mind, willing heart are connected. They go together. It's accepted according to what you have. Not according to what you don't have. God's not looking at what you don't have. You don't need to be looking at what you don't have. And you don't need to compare yourself with anybody else and what they have. If you give your $20 with a willing heart, ready to do more, would like to do more, glad to do it, and somebody else gives their $2,000 and don't care, then God accepts your offering and not theirs. You might say, huh? Yeah. Do you remember Cain and Abel? 
One of their offerings got accepted. The other he did not. Why? People have tried to make it all kind of things. But I assure you, the thing that made one acceptable and the one not was the heart. God's always big on the heart. Cain just said he brought of the fruit of the ground. The description lets you know. He just got some stuff and brought it. Why? Because it's offering time. Huh? And what did Abel do? (laughs) Abel. I said, Fluffy? Yeah, Fluffy. He went and got Fluffy. The, the, he, he had sheep. And he went and got the fat and the best. Have you heard that word before? You'll eat the fat, best, good of the land. Why? Because you're giving him your best. And you're reaping what you're sowing. Come on, can you see this? If you just throw something at it, if you don't care, if you just do some token something, some ritual something, it's not acceptable. Now, man might have received it and done something with it, but did God accept it? He doesn't accept all offerings. What makes it, what makes it acceptable? If there's a first, a willing mind, it's accepted according to that a man has, not according to that he has not. Skipped over to the next chapter for time's sake, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. 9, 7. All this goes together. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. It all goes together. Every man, according as he or she purposes in their heart, so let him give what? Not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Sometimes I think people, uh, even some preachers, have left the idea that if you just shake the people long enough till the money falls out, that they'll be blessed in spite of themselves. Not true. If you don't want to do it, if you're not glad to do it, you're not going to receive blessing. Because the giving is not to be done to man, but to God. If you don't want to do it, the Lord's, this is one of the biggest things in what's going on on the, on the earth and in the whole plan of God. This is so important to God that He refuses to make you do anything. God is not making people do things for Him. He won't do it. If you don't want to do it, that's a problem. That unwillingness, that lack of respect, disqualifies you from it. We need to be that way in all of our dealings. When it comes to the things of the church, Phyllis and I, in in our decisions and our responsibilities, we have to keep this in mind and to represent Him. I've, I've, people that were very talented sometimes, I've been tempted to say, well, should I, should we try to do more for them? And the Lord checked me and say, if they're not willing to make sacrifices to do this, they don't qualify. Leave it alone. If somebody acts like they might leave and, and you prompted, you know, to try to talk to them or something. And, and many times the Lord say, 
If they don't value this, then let them walk. Come on, can you see this? I've had people years years ago, I won't say where and how and when, but I've had people that helped me that were very talented musicians, very talented singers. And I had some folks one time, they kept being late all the time. Well, not, not, not all the time. I didn't let it go very long. But a few times, they kept being late. And I told them, I said, you know, you can't be late. you got to be here. Well, they drug in. And, and the Lord showed me when they were coming in late again. He said, they think they're irreplaceable. They, they think because they're so talented, you can't find somebody like that on every corner. And uh, so they feel like they're doing you a favor to show up. That disqualifies them. Can you see that? Because God can add talent to anybody. (laughs) But a willing heart, he's not going to force you to have. If you don't give him that, it's not going to be there. But if you're willing to do it, he can add to you. And don't think you can't be replaced. I can be replaced. Hmm? Doing this. Are you kidding? I know it. I'm not going to let somebody do it. I'm going to keep my heart right. I'm going to be thankful. And I'm glad to do it. Did, did you hear that, that last phrase? I, nobody's making me do this. I want to do this. Because I care about him. And pleasing him and obeying him. And I care about you. I want to see you built up. I want to see you spirit fed. I want to see you free from every problem in your life. I want to see you come up. Hallelujah. I want to see you find your place in God and fulfill your purpose. I want to see it. I'm willing to study all night. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to fly halfway around the world to get there to see you, to see them. To do it. Come on, are y'all with me? Nobody's making me do this. Or Phyllis. We want to do this. If I get to the place where I start dragging and feel like I'm doing you a favor to come, I can be disqualified. Can you see that? No longer worthy of this holy place and holy job. That's not just true with me. That's true with you too. Hmm? If you get to thinking you're doing us a favor just because you showed up. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? And you're, you don't appreciate it. And you're not thankful. And you're not willing to do it. Wanting to do it. Glad to do it. Hmm? Hallelujah. <laughs> Are y'all okay? Yes. Tell me what makes a gift or a service or anything acceptable to our Lord. Come on, help me out. The heart. Willing. Glad. What did it say there? In every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. What? Not. Why do you say not grudgingly? Is he serious about this? If you're dragging your feet on it, what will he tell you? Keep it. Keep it. That's not being ugly. That's right. 
Well, do I have to? No, you don't have to. Keep it. Do I have to pray? No. Do I have to come serve? No, you don't. You don't have to do anything. God's not going to make you. And good leaders will not try to make you. They'd be misrepresenting him. It's a privilege to serve him. Isn't it? What the psalmist say? I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Is that right? In the house of the Lord. Than to be in, uh, we'd call it the penthouse. (laughs) Or whatever. The most elaborate places. It's a privilege. We're going to find out just how much of a privilege it is even after this life. God does what? It's a strong language. Loves. He what? Didn't you say, I mean, he could have said he was pleased with. That'd be wonderful. No, God loves. A what kind? Not, not just a giver. Not just a giver. This, this bleeding heart, suffering saint, teaching is wrong. I said, it's wrong. I'm giving everything for Jesus and I'm laying it all down and, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I, but, but I will. You're saying you're not willing, but you'll be obedient. That's only half of the winning combination. Huh? What did Paul say? Paul, did Paul give his life for the ministry? He absolutely did. And he told his people at one point, he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though even if the more I love you, the less you love me. Even if I'm not getting the response from you that I'm giving to you, I I won't just spend and be spent. Come on, did you hear those words? I will very gladly spend and be spent. The Bible said, He that shows mercy, let him do it with joy and gladness. This dragging your feet, any bit of sullenness makes it unacceptable. Nobody's, God's not making you. He won't. Oh, but if you have any smarts about you, you have any smarts in that pretty little head of yours, you will get your want to in gear. Is that right? Your willingness, your desire. Do you want to do something that God loves? We're talking about the Almighty on the throne loves this. What does He love? Not just you doing something, not just you giving something, not just us giving something. But what? Us wanting to do it. Willing to do it. Ready to do it. Seeking to. That's the part that he likes the most. It doesn't rock his throne when you give your $100. Right? But if you did it with your heart. And you'd, you'd have done, the, he knows, you'd have done the same thing with a million. Come on, you are with me? This is what you had, and you did what you had with your heart. You wanted to. You're glad to. 
You show up early. You stay late. You're willing to do whatever it takes. That touches him. That he loves. And then it makes the $100 acceptable to him. Oh, come on, can you see that? My, my. This is growing on me as I'm. <coughs> uh, go to 1 Corinthians. Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians. Uh, I need to do this too. You go to 1 Corinthians, and they'll put up on the screen for us these verses. You might want to write these down in your notes if you're taking notes. Uh, put up on the screen Second Chronicles 15. You're going to go to 1 Corinthians 9. Put up on the screen, please, Second Chronicles 15 and 16. This is an eye-opener here in these passages. Now, it was also here in Second Chronicles 16, 9. In fact, you can just put that up there. 16, 9, all this is in Second Chronicles. That it said, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth. God's scanning the planet. What's he looking for? Hmm? To show himself, what, it tells you his desire, and then it tells you what he's looking for. Why is he looking? He wants to show himself strong on the behalf of people. He wants to manifest his goodness and power and grace in their life. Well, then why don't he just do it? Well, it's not going to happen for everybody. He, he's going to show himself strong in the behalf of specific ones. Who? Those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now, don't let that word perfect throw you. That word perfect means complete. We might say today wholehearted. Wholehearted. You can see the idea of willingness. Wholehearted. Towards him. Now, you see two examples if you if you back up to 15:16, Second Chronicles 15:16, it tells about Asa the king, and about how he was he did some things that needed to be done in the kingdom. Verse 17. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. He did some good things, but some things he should have done, he didn't do. There were these different places of worship, and they weren't supposed to have them there. They weren't supposed to do them that way, just everywhere. They were supposed to be at his tabernacle. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. What do you see here? You can do some things that are not right. And yet your heart is right. Not just right. Perfect. <laughs> it just got through saying in the first part of the verse. He, this, this, the high places should have been taken away. He didn't do it. But see the Lord knows what you see. 
and what you don't see. Maybe he didn't see it was that big of a problem. Maybe he didn't realize. But what's, what's the Lord looking at? Looking at his heart. Now, skip over to the 25th chapter. Just look at the screen if you want to. The 25th chapter, 2 Chronicles. And the uh, first verse, 25 one, another king, Amaziah, he was 25 years old when he began to reign, reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, mother's name, Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, <laughs> but not with a perfect heart. Do you see why we took the time to look at these? It is possible to do some wrong things and yet your heart be right. In fact, God call it perfect. It's also possible to do some good and right things and your heart not be right. Not be, not be perfect in the Lord's eyes. What's the most important thing? Not that you crossed every T. Not that you dotted every I. Not that you did what people thought was the perfect thing. What's the most important thing? Your and my heart towards Him. That's what determines the acceptability of everything. We do. He's always looking just at our heart. Now where are you there in uh, first, your 1 Corinthians 9? 1 Corinthians 9. I need to back up a little bit. Back up about verse 15 here. 1 Corinthians 9, 15. And get my new Bible that I'm breaking in here. Glory to God. Everybody happy? Are you okay? I'm just about finished. First Corinthians 9 and verse, uh, well, if we had time, which I don't think we do, it, it would really be well worth our time to start at verse 1 and just read through this entire thing. He's talking about preachers getting paid. That's what he's talking about. And this whole, if you're interested, you should be, uh, take time, read this carefully. He's saying, I'll paraphrase a little bit, he's saying that he has a right to be paid and paid well. That's what he's saying. And uh, verse 7, he starts talking about, he says, who goes to warfare any time at his own charges? I mean, if you're in the military, you don't pay for your clothes. You don't pay for your food. You don't pay for the gas in the uh, uh, vehicles, right? You don't pay for your ammunition, right? Uh, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat the fruit of it? Who feeds a flock and doesn't get any milk from the flock? Sow these things as a man, or says not the law the same also? It's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the, the corn. Does God take care for oxen, or says he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he that plows should plow in hope, he that threshes in hope should uh, be a partaker of his hope. If we've sown to you spiritual things, is it a great thing that we reap your carnal or natural things? If others be partakers of this power or right or authority over you, are not we? Nevertheless, we have not used this, uh, this right, for, but we suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. What had happened is there's some people had come in and told the folks that they were super apostles. 
and that Paul was, you know, old fogey and, you know, and, and, and they quit supporting him and, and they're paying these guys real good. And they messed up. But he goes on to talk about uh, that he, he wasn't asking for anything from them. We'll see that in just a moment. He said, we, we suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Keep going, verse, verse 13. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait on the altar are partakers of the altar. If you go back and look at the law, the priests that received the people's offerings, they kept a bunch of those offerings. A bunch of that went to their house. God told them to. They, they were, some of them were wealthy people. And he said, even so has the Lord ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In the prior verses, he said, do we not have the right to forbear working a secular job? People who are called and, and are supposed to be doing it, that preach the gospel, they should not uh, need to work outside jobs. There are some churches that are actually proud that their pastors are working outside jobs. But it is an indictment against the congregation that they don't even value the gifts God has given them. It's not right. And it's harmful to the people. If you, if you don't take care of us, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you financially and materially. If you take good care of us, that's going to come back on you. And you are taking good care of us. As your ministers, you're the board that represents you, that sets our salary, we are well taken care of. Well taken care of. So you have a right to believe you're well taken care of. Come on, can you see this? We don't need to work outside jobs. Don't know how we'd do it and do what we're doing now. But you shouldn't need to. That's what this, so if you've got any other ideas about that, read this chapter carefully, closely. And forget about me. Just read the Bible. He, what, that's what he's saying. He said, you don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. What does that mean? The ox that's working the field, that's helping you get the corn, you let him eat some corn. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and he gives several examples. That's what he's talking about. That's what that verse means. He said, he's even kind of cracks a joke. He said, is God talking about ox? No. He's talking about us. <laughs> God, the Lord, everybody say the Lord, the Lord has, ordained has ordained that they that preach the gospel, preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Live of the gospel. What does that mean? It means the, what they need for their life comes through the ministry. It's supposed to be that way. Verse 15, but I have used none of these things. I've made no demand on you. To support me. Neither have I written these things. That it should be so done to me. I'm not writing this. Telling you you have to support me. It's better for me to die. Than that any man should make my glorying void. He feels very strongly about this. Doesn't he? What? Verse 16. Though I preach the gospel. I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He said, 
I have been given a charge from the head of the church. So whether you like me or don't, whether you want to support me or not, I, I feel like I have to do this. I must do this. And he's going to do it. He said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Sometimes people say, I've had people say, man, I, oh, I, I wouldn't want to do what you do. You know, James says that teachers are going to receive uh, more severe judgment. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be accountable for what you're accountable. Listen, if you're called to be a preacher or teacher, though you never preach a message, you will be held accountable for it past this life. The gifts and callings of God don't change. He doesn't repent. No, no, don't be afraid of things. Whatever you're supposed to do, just do it. Do it the best you know how to do. And the Lord will look at your heart. He'll know. If I do this thing, what? What is everybody reading? If I do it, what? If I do it willingly, what? I have a reward. I want you to say that out loud. If I do it willingly, I have a reward. Say it again. If I do it willingly, I have a reward. What if you don't do it willingly? If you be willing and obedient, you'll get a reward. You'll eat the good of the land. If against my will, if I do it, even though I don't want to, still a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. In other words, I'm still called. I'm still going to be held accountable for it. I still better do it. But see, doing something and being blessed is not the same thing as being blessed for it. Just accomplishing it is not the same thing as getting the reward for it. What determines how much reward you get? The willingness. If I do it willingly, I get a reward. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse. Actually, other translations just say, use not my power in the gospel. What's he saying? He said, all the previous 17 verses, he's proving to them from the scripture, I have a right to be supported and to be supported well. They must have quit supporting him. They wouldn't have even been a church at Corinth, but God raised it up through him. Come on, can you see this? And yet, for some reason, they've got them some new super apostles and... And he's, but he, but he, and he just, he wants them for their sake to know what's going on. But he says, he's not, he's not sour about this. He's not bitter about this. He said, even though I have a right, I'm making this and giving to this to you completely without charge. No charge. No charge. And if I do this willingly, he said, I'm getting a reward. Oh, come on, can you see this, saints? This is true with everybody. Even though somebody should be doing something for you, do not get your eyes on them. Don't get bitter about it. Don't get bent out of shape. If they don't want to do it, don't try to make them do it. That's how the enemy does. Well, yeah, but I need it. It can come from somewhere else. It can come through another channel. And much more than that. But when you make it without charge... 
And you do it gladly and willingly. Now you qualify for great reward. Oh, can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet if you would.